0: Welcome, dear listener, this is No Bullshit Gaming Podcast to have gamers with an honest interview segment. So we're asking tough questions, but having fun and dropping knowledge with in-gaming industry peeps. And today we have Sophie Wall. You are very well known in the industry, but for those who don't know you yet, could, could we just please start with a very brief introduction? And also, like, how are you today? <laughs>
1: Great. Uh, hi, Machi. Thanks. Uh, it's always interesting, even for me, uh, running the podcast this day to uh, be a guest. So it's like I have yeah. to switch my mindset because I'm all still still in question mode. Uh, yeah, I'm great. Uh, enjoying the summer, uh, uh, allowing myself a break. Actually, I can talk okay. about that more. Okay. And yes. uh, Yeah. And uh, a bit about myself uh, to summarize. I'll try to uh, describe something out of my bio, but yeah, I've been working in okay. the industry for quite some time now, um, 13, 14 years. Still worth mentioning. And uh, production and product management and leadership of studio teams. So I worked also in different places, uh, Berlin, Helsinki, Paris. So I've seen also a bit of different culture, different organization. And I would say today, my main focus uh, throughout my journey has been really in building teams, studios, uh, creating a, a culture, effective culture to uh, you know, allow and enable creative people to create the best uh, games. So I'm focusing more on the environment than the game itself. Mm-hmm. And um, on the side, which is not a small part now, I've developed a platform called Rise and Play to. Uh, be really a platform of knowledge sharing for any leaders in the gaming industry Mm -hmm. to, first of all, I think open the conversation around practices of what I call conscious leadership. And I can talk more about what I yeah, I'm super
0: excited (laughs) to hear more about that.
1: Yeah, so I I have had the masterclass that I put online uh, and um, uh, intentionally for free uh, to be accessible for as many entrepreneurs and founders as possible. And it evolved into the podcast where also I focus more as well on other leaders and sharing where they share directly their practices. So um, I've been nice. really supporting the ecosystem. And also in, I've been a part-time investor as well uh, related nice. to this mission of uh, helping elevating the ecosystem of the gaming industry.
0: Nice. Okay, so so let's start with the, the masterclass actually because uh, that's really interesting. Well, the, uh, giving it for free, it's uh, it's one... One part to be accessible, nice, but like, why exactly you have created it? And I know you mentioned like who is it for, but what was the first initial idea about like, okay, so I need to create the master class? Where did it came from?
1: So I I remember when I was building the new studio um, at Voodoo Casual mm-hmm. Studio. So the way also uh, we were opening studio uh, at Voodoo was very autonomous, independent. Like, okay, you mm-hmm. hire. Uh, we okay. expect you to deliver a game next year. Good luck. Uh, start. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Nice, okay. <laughs> so I was, uh, I was like, um, okay. How do we hire? How do I start? It was a very overwhelming time because my brain was racing all direction. Mm-hmm. And as I look for resources, like how to start, uh, should I hire now? Should I focus on the game vision? Uh, then I, I, I. Uh, design a whole framework and process for myself to have structure, uh, focus, and uh, mm. be effective. So I did it for myself at first, and as I went through the whole process and finding out that it was there was very little materials uh, mm. online or in gaming to uh, give uh, some sort of a guide uh, to build a, a brand new studio. I wanted to structure it for myself, document it for myself, so I could teach other... Uh, people uh, Mm -hmm. who would want to build a studio so at first it was really not planned to be uh, scalable and just sharing and as I uh, attended many talks repeating the same thing over and over again I realized okay maybe a format that is more scalable is maybe Mm -hmm. to um, create documentation template put it online and I was also highly inspired by I think Joachim was doing the same with uh, elite game developers yep. for founders or how do you pitch, for example. Yeah. And so um, I decided to try. So it was really trying. And I, I was um, also following the masterclass over so the actual uh, masterclass okay. platform. Yeah. And um, it inspired me to a bit the same thinking as with game, uh, like an MVP. Let's try. I released uh, one first module and then the second. And mm. then I... I, I I got known uh, about it and I got a lot of feedback uh, from people who uh, were really validating that it was needed, that it didn't have this kind of material. And the reason also why I made it for free, because at first I was asking myself very, um, I would say by default, Mm I said, like, how do I monetize it? And I was, wait a minute, like, why are you doing this? (laughs) 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 Why are you, no, why are you doing this again? It's like, do you? Do you need to monetize? I have a full-time job. I have a good salary. It's not that I was looking to make more money. So I was thinking, what do I really want to achieve here? And when uh, getting to the core where it was, I really want to support other leaders to Mm -hmm. build more effectively teams, but also focusing on the right things, people, culture, values. That's what I want to see. So I thought, well, then I need to make it free to make it more accessible and then to see really... uh, the vision
0: that I I saw to happen. So nice, yeah. It's a very similar thing happened to me um, back in days when I I was working at Pixel Federation and we were trying to soft launch a game. And I started trying to find any resources out there. as like, there was just zero. Like, hmm, okay, let's, uh, yeah, let's try to to come up with uh, something. And then you know all these soft launch frameworks uh, came up as well uh, because mm-hmm. it wasn't just there. Uh, and i also don't monetize it because why just let's just share as, as much knowledge as, as possible so others can learn as well mm-hmm. and i guess it's uh it comes uh, we can come back to the to the podcast as well and um i've seen you're kind of like showcasing a lot of female leaders from the gaming industry which is amazing and kudos for that i, I love it like what was that the goal from the start or just uh, you know some somehow evolved
1: so the podcast is really an evolution of the masterclass. Mm-hmm. So back again to what I wanted to create with Rise and Play was really focusing on leadership practices. And the masterclass started with uh, my own practices. So I was sharing yeah. my framework. And um, when uh, people were asking me, when is the next uh, masterclass and so on? And I, I put a lot of work into it. And also I don't generate knowledge uh, like yeah. this. So I... I I had to experiment, practice mm-hmm. different things uh, with a team so I could actually get knowledge out of it. So it was not scalable mm-hmm. as is. And then I felt like if I want to keep uh, uh, the conversation around mm-hmm. leadership practices, there are so many other practices from other people. Uh, maybe there's an overlap with what I shared, maybe there are other ways, but The uh, theme remains the same where we put, uh, you know, the people really at the center of how we think about Mm -hmm. uh, leading a a business and a team. So Mm -hmm. um, when I thought of trying to bring uh, speakers in the masterclass to create the content, it didn't sound scalable to me. Mm -hmm. And I think the most natural uh, evolution was podcasts where like, what if I could try in a format of one hour, an episode, but they share really all the insights on a specific mm-hmm. topic and at the first season so I approach it very as well with the product management thinking like MVP first season yeah. I commit okay. on six months and I uh, look for guests that are all around leadership practices mm-hmm. have been visible okay. in some way or helping the industry and uh, at the end of the six months, I measured the results. So I I checked with myself, how do I enjoy doing it? Do I want to keep doing it? Mm-hmm. Uh, what people liked? Uh, what were the episodes that got the most traction and why? And the thing that uh, was very clear, all the episodes with female speaker were <laughs> much bigger. Yeah, and of I, course. I, I wonder, yeah, okay. like, okay, why? It's like, And my audience is, by the way... 50 50. So I don't just nice. have women, but yeah. I have. Okay. Yeah. The, when I saw that, actually, the focus on on women was actually maybe a, a gap to mm. a film. Then I thought, okay, why not focusing as a test my second season only on female speaker and mm-hmm. see what happens. And when I did that, then I had another level layer, level of traction where even sponsor came to me and say, okay, mm. well, you are really creating content. On leadership and giving visibility representation yep. of more women in executive roles and how they approach you know their position.
0: Nice okay and uh, uh, when you said you you measured the, the first season like what were the KPIs actually to you know yeah, we are int- in the in the gaming industry and uh, the KPI world so how, how, how did you measure that In you know that's that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and I I get well advised actually for, uh, from other podcasters. So I asked, for example, Mishka from the Constructor mm-hmm. often yeah. how he was looking at it, and you asked him. and uh, I think Mishka gave me a very good advice like don't look at numbers, don't look at yeah, numbers. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, yeah, from the start, it's like <laughs> it, it takes some time to grow and so on, especially on the first year. Uh, that's not so, so important. It's like okay, coming from Uh, you know, someone who's like product manager, very business-oriented. And I I didn't understand it at first. Um, Now I understand after a a year and like having Mm. a, you know, slow but steady growth. Uh, I think the main important metric for me was how do I feel about uh, creating the content? Because uh, we do this and you are doing this, I mean, for free when we start. And why again are we doing this? So I asked myself what, what's in it for me as well as I produce this. And I think it it's, uh, it gave me even more um, uh, clarity mm-hmm. of my motivation of pursuing the podcast where I love to connect with other leaders in the industry. So that was a, so I would call them anyway and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And here, yeah. I just happened to record it. And okay, I invest, uh, of course, my own money in editing it and uh, post-production and all the things you know and release yeah. it to share it with others but it's such a small part of actually the, the real like you know uh personal reward for me to connect and learn also from others yeah. so since that moment is like everything is a bonus like if it grows it's a bonus it's not the goal yeah. mm-hmm. but the numbers are more um i would say an additional validation that it's going somewhere that I'm, I'm getting better at what i'm doing with the podcast but it's not the ultimate goal because it's not uh, meant
0: to be a business mm-hmm. to uh, monetize yeah yeah, yeah i'm a pretty i'm i'm glad you mentioned that because we all also like we are in in this space for like eight months maybe with the two and a half gamers and the <clears throat> numbers were never a kpi because well first of all we are having fun while doing it and it was exactly the same motivation like hey so we are talking to each other on a weekly basis and it's kind of fun and we share knowledge like why we are not actually recording it because we had this call and then there was one other friend who said that like, Hey guys, like you should actually record. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, why not? <laughs> let's try that out. And it, again, it's, uh, for us, it's growing as well. And it's, uh, it's a very nice, uh, very nice feeling that actually it's, uh, it's valuable for others. And let's see yeah, that's the main motivation. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. In terms of the motivation, I mean, uh, uh that's a, that's a nice segue because I think, well, I assume I've never done any any other job than just the UA management, and I've been in the med- manager position. But being a studio lead, that sounds pretty hard. So, how do you approach the like the people's motivation?
1: Uh, I think redefining first the position, you know, as a studio lead, it, your focus can be in so many things, right? You can mm-hmm. focus on the game performance. What kind of like being acting like a creative director, also uh, more uh, like people manager. So I think it's important uh, first like to for me to maybe explain how my personal definition and mm. back to the goals. When we as a studio lead, you are responsible for the outcome at the end of the yeah. day, right? So you're shipping, shipping the game. <laughs> exactly. And the performance <laughs> of the game in some way. Um, and when I thought of how to get there and the most Effectively, once again, it's uh, through a solid team, a uh, team working well together, uh, having the right people in the right mm. positions and having clarity of what they're, why they are here and what they're uh, supposed to deliver and achieve in short, mid-term and long-term. So how I approach it was really first a team focus, like who is in the team, mm-hmm. uh, who I need, who do I hire, um, who do I put in which position, or uh, who do I promote as internal lead, um, framing the vision and mission, where are we going, uh, why. So really defining, crystallizing those the direction mm-hmm. and the, the values, not only the values, but behaviors. So values are... I would say the starting point of, okay, what do we stand for as a group? Mm-hmm. But behavior is like, how do we behave to each other when we give feedback, when we make decisions, when we plan, uh, how do we test our games, etc. How do we get feedback from players? So all the behaviors kind of uh, uh, set the path of mm-hmm. uh, the process that I'm not defining, but people who are in charge of the process will define according to the values. So that's how we approach it more on really putting the frame on the why, and to some extent the what, mm-hmm. but not so much on the how, like from the process or um, the type of games we make or how we mm-hmm. make it, because this is where people have ownership and put really like uh, have accountability as mm-hmm. well of what what they do. So those were uh, I would say in, in terms of priority how I approach the studio and. It gave me a peace of mind as well to not have to think of a uh, hundred things at the same mm-hmm. time and yeah. just focus on the things that really have impact at the studio level, which is again for people and team.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, since everybody is different, and I've seen that before in my previous jobs. Like, uh, how do you how do you motivate your team? Because you know, on the whole studio, just to keep keep working, keep pushing. Do you have any any process to you know like how to find out who, like who is motivated by what exactly? So obviously my motivations are slightly different than my colleague. Like mm-hmm. then,
1: so it starts really. This thinking starts from the hiring. So and this is actually fundamental to be uh, aligned. I would say from the beginning. So this is something mm-hmm. I really pay attention to on uh, at, during the hiring process. Like you know what what's your uh, what's your motivation where do you how do you want to grow what's interesting for you and of course it's not such a direct question because most of the time people are not even aware but uh, what i ask often is like how do, did they move from a job to another and it mm-hmm. kind of i see a pattern and it's like okay. okay is the person more motivated by growth or is the person motivated more by status which is again not Nothing, nothing wrong, right? But yeah, um, of course, yeah, are, yeah,
0: It's just a different type of motivation. It's fine.
1: Exactly. Uh, yeah. there are different. Like others are by, by the team, so it's like the environment for them didn't work before, and they were searching for a long time. This environment they would feel really secure. Uh, you know, uh, where they would connect with others. So for me the environment I imagine that we work well where the motivations of individual with align. That's exactly this, like having a shared why why we're here. And mm-hmm. the focus has always been in our motivation as a group that we are uh, we love um figuring it out how to solve a problem. So falling in love more with the process mm-hmm. uh rather than uh the result, right? So it, it has never been a motivation for us to uh, for the people I hire to become the VP in the next uh, two, three years, because I don't even have a, a, a promotion ladder like this internally. Yeah, so I, okay. I was very clear from the beginning, if that's what you look uh, are looking for or managing mm-hmm. a team in the next 12 months, I cannot promise that. So yeah, okay. it may not be a match. So uh, first, I think the match of motivation happens on a hiring level. And then of course things change as you have a team you grow so it's always being uh, in touch with a team so i created the leadership system in the studio where i'm myself a studio lead but there were leads per craft and mm-hmm. we uh, keep regular one-on-one with everyone in the studio to stay in touch with um, how is the work for them uh, how is it aligned with their motivation individually or uh, as a group and what can we do and sometimes we have things of, of course where we have influence it's about assigning people on different tasks mm-hmm. uh, or sometimes they want to grow is like providing training sometimes they have conflicts and it touches their motivation so how can we not support them by fixing it but by giving them the tool to fix it for themselves so there are things that can be solved and sometimes people change their motivation along the way and it's also
0: yeah. a
1: natural conversation where you say look, uh, you know, you don't seem so fulfilled anymore. Um, It is noticeable. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I want also to offer you the best environment that is motivating for you. If it doesn't work out anymore, should we, you know, should we uh, consider parting ways? And those conversations actually happen as well.
0: Oh, yeah, of course. Well, it's, uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, nobody wants to have that conversation, but it's super important. So is it uh, like uh, you are trying to, really see the patterns before they actually appear so like you said someone is apparently not so um, happy anymore so you try to get to this person and try to discuss like what's what's going on and then try to solve the situation or just you know like waiting until everything crashes
1: so we have different system in place and uh, uh, again it's like so often I say like approaching a team like a product, but this is like so true for mm-hmm. me in my in how my brain works. Okay. But for example, using quantitative and qualitative, right? So quantitative is anonymous survey, post survey, yeah, okay. you just put it out, same thing. And uh, I would say uh, often I have people quite honest about it when things were mm-hmm. not going well, although they wouldn't tell me face to face in a one on one. They would not hesitate to put something low. And so I see as well when there's discrepancy, but it's a tool to help. And is, uh, my point is not like, okay, try to pin uh, and find the person who put a lower score. But just yeah, okay. to be aware, okay, there are people who are not aligned. And so when when it's I, I see those signs more on a quantitative level, it's like uh, through the question I understand, mm-hmm. is there misalignment on the mission or a lack of clarity, a lack of uh, concrete plans? Mm-hmm. So, something that I can do at my level or with the leads, we try to uh, fix it, you know, to give more visibility or answer some questions. And if it's uh, persisting at an individual level, for example, the person is not feeling like they're growing or they don't mm-hmm. have the space because they don't have enough uh, influence or power because, mm-hmm. let's say, they are not in the lead position, but someone else uh, is, and they're, they're not the, there's not the space for them to grow. is something there are some cues to see it and i it's a matter of practice i i will share
0: can you can you you share at least like one or two
1: yeah yeah so i will share some example that i have developed more by practice right so Mm -hmm. i think one uh very clear is disengagement of a person so you barely hear from Mm -hmm. them when there's a, a group conversation they don't Participate, mm-hmm. uh, they don't contribute, so they seem a bit checked out, uh, um, and that's actually you can spot it even uh, online mm-hmm. through calls. Yeah. I have uh, I have spotted it, and um, I would say second queue is uh, the opposite, so uh, uh, very very active, but more in the uh, complaining side. So. Mm-hmm. Pointing out that all the problems, but not really wanting to own any solution, right? So it's, and and this is where I see like something is uh, off. Uh, The person is very frustrated and they are maybe not in the place where they, uh, you know, want even to Mm. think of a solution. Yeah.
0: Okay. And what about motivation in, you know, like these days where the market conditions are kind of like uncertain, like uh, it's most probably even harder these days, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, so with my team, we were working quite hard conditions. Like we were working also mm. pandemic, but uh, with Voodoo, so it's a very demanding uh, company leadership. You know the hyper casual cycle mm-hmm. it, well, it yeah, has followed us uh, in casual development. So we always like thought of a deadline that was above our head. Mm. Um, and uh, something I've been very transparent with the team, and it's also in the um, in the context of a job market. Mm -hmm. Uh, yes people can walk out and find a new job with a good salary tomorrow Uh, and that's not what I'm offering here with the place and uh, the environment that is created Uh, so anywhere you go it will be uh, tough and uh, maybe some places offer flexibility so this is kind of standard I would say these days but what people are really craving for at least the kind of ones I'm looking for they really are craving for connection Mm-hmm. connection that you are being seen, that somebody, someone cares about you, you know, yep. and not like uh, this transactional contract where I pay you yeah. for a job work and then if you are not happy, you walk out and I find someone else, right? And I think that's another side of a coin where the, I would say big job market, like what we call the great uh, resignation. A lot of mm-hmm. people move to places and the reason, top reason I hear about, it's not so much about the salary or, so, or like yeah. lack of flexibility, but also uh, not being in a environment where people really, or the management, the leadership, seems that they care about them, uh, that they can connect, yeah. you know, with others, that their personal life is respected through the work, you know, all those little things that makes, uh, at the end of the day, the human connection. Of course, I think yeah. they are really important and overlooked. And that's how you win, uh, you know, when uh, I hear, like, how do you win talents? It's like, it, it's it's pretty straightforward, yeah. but this is uh, <laughs> takes time. It takes time to build, and it, it is, doesn't give a short-term gain. So that's, mm. I think, what is uh, important in the motivation when uh, thinking of people and how do you keep a team together.
0: Yeah, well, people don't want to be just a number in the Excel sheet. Mm. It's just like that's very sad, but that happens, and will happen to me uh, in the in the past. And uh, I definitely wanted to be appreciated and respected as uh, you know because I worked my ass off, and yeah. uh, nobody ca- Nobody cared, <laughs> mm. which is but sad, and that's exactly like what others uh, definitely don't want. And you know, like you mentioned uh, now. These days, you can get like a millions offers during the, you know, uh, on, on LinkedIn. We are all getting these, and sometimes it's uh, it's really interesting to to maybe accept them or not. And you made quite a big decision moving from Rovio to to Voodoo in Berlin. Well, like, what was your thought process behind it? Because I mean, I can imagine it should, could be a super hard, right?
1: Mm. It was a it was a long process, so it just didn't happen uh, overnight. Okay. And uh, at Rovio, at that time, I was uh, building a new team, going to soft launch with uh, it was Angry Birds Pop Two, mm-hmm. and so it was a, a whole test for me, like how can I build a team uh, and and around a game and uh, and also keep my focus on the pro- product mm-hmm. leadership, and I really uh, learned to enjoy the part that was really about team building, hiring, and building this strong creative team that will solve the complex mm-hmm. challenges. So I knew at that time I really wanted to explore um, the position of uh, uh, studio lead. Mm -hmm. uh, And I explored those possibilities at Rovio. And they were Mm -hmm. there and other companies. And Vodou also was on the table. So they came to me. I was uh, headhunted. And what was appealing about uh, uh, this uh, venture at at the time Mm -hmm. uh, was really I... I always ask myself, like, should I build my own company? You know, it's like I, mm-hmm. yeah, i once in a while, it's like my with game company, and uh, I talked to a lot of uh, entrepreneurs as well building the company. I have built my own as well out of games, so I, I know so some reality of it, and um, <laughs> there's a lot of admin you have to take care of. You know, fundraising, uh, yeah. you know, over over things you have takes to do all the time,
0: have... takes yeah. all the time you have, yeah,
1: and then. When I thought really, what do I want to focus uh, on and um, do I want to exit the company or do I want to grow and mm. learn? And that has always been the crossroad question for me. And I was not going for an exit or I didn't want to build a company to have an exit. Yeah. So I decided to go with Voodoo, where... I would learn all the experience to start the studio from scratch with some financial security backing with mm. Vodoo, of course, some autonomy, not full autonomy, because I cannot make like all the games I want. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but I could hire the people I wanted and decide how we would work. And so mm. I thought I would learn a lot. I would grow and That's the best monetary reward, if I can think of it, like it's like the school of entrepreneurship, you know. (laughs) So it was no brainer for me to go for it because my main driver was really uh, growing to this position. And Mm. I can say today, like now I see beyond the studio is like, how can I contribute on an organization level when it comes to thinking about culture, values Mm -hmm. and people?
0: okay you mentioned yeah culture uh, and and the hiring especially like multiple times and even when it comes to mon- uh, motivation so i know i've seen it uh, a lot like you're tr- you were trying to find a lot of people to the berlin studio and uh, i've seen the game designer position up there for almost two years i mean mm-hmm. of course it's super hard to find the good people but Is is there any like timeline where you say just, okay, so let's just hire anyone because we need those people or is it just like, yeah, okay, so I will be trying to find the proper people until until I find them.
1: So definitely more of the latter, um, the one of waiting. So the roles that were really long and hard uh, for us to find was technical artist and UX designer, especially for the definition of a UX designer I had uh yeah senior game designer was a hard one as well for a long time so again my thinking has always been like what a, uh long term and yeah. hiring someone uh, takes a lot of energy and time onboarding someone so it's it, it like i see like a team dynamic is like a blob and each time mm. you add someone it it shapes the blob yeah. to a certain place and then when when you have someone uh, offboarding the blob also changes, so it is a disruption at all the level. And so I thought, okay, if I hire really quickly someone just to uh, mm. match like the task, the role, quickly, quick fix, and it doesn't work out, it's going to be very disruptive. And I will spend most of my time managing the onboarding and offboarding of a person, and
0: yeah, actually would okay. take
1: some time away from uh, I don't know product strategy, CEO leadership, or even hiring other talents. So without thinking, we've always. I had this conversation very openly with the team, where sometimes they were like, "We really suffer. We really need Mm. a technical artist. So really need." And like I explained what I just explained to you, and I said, "I think we should stretch a little bit more until we find Mm. someone. We will manage it. We can outsource. We can. I have no problem to find someone to Mm. do the work temporarily, Mm. but uh, full time hire." It's a real commitment and it will pay off by finding the right mm. fit, especially on a, uh, a cultural level. And I can say after three years of a studio, the ones that were uh, uh, really uh, found for the key roles, like technical artists, mm. uh, senior yeah. UX designer, then they didn't leave and they were really core people in the team and they mm. made a big difference. So it was worth the wait and the long search and also for myself to understand through the uh, process of uh, hiring, uh, having clarity who I wanted and who I mm-hmm. didn't want. You know, it's like dating. You, yeah. you you, have a kind of a vague idea of what you want at the beginning, and you try, and then when you are almost at the end, you think, no, this is yeah, not a match. The, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you let go, <laughs> and then you learn something new through the process. Like, actually, this is so important among the criteria But mm-hmm. yep. now I know how to narrow my search. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Uh, if you hire someone very quickly, then uh, he or she can join the, the team, but then can do a lot of harm and then just leave. And then you need to repeat that process all over again, mm-hmm. which is not time like efficiently used. That's true. All right, yeah, okay, okay. Uh, and uh, I know you... You you were kind of like uh, out there giving talks, and then I think you also discussed this with Mishka on, on the DoF podcast. Like uh, you killed a game, and you were pretty open about it, which is kind of rare sometimes. Uh, because you know you kill a game, you do it quietly, and just you want to really mm-hmm. move on. Move on. <laughs> so nobody <laughs> yeah. re- nobody remembers. <laughs> so how do you how do you do that? Like. Uh, so everybody is kind of like happy because uh, I can imagine, and this happened to me a couple of times, like if you kill a game of someone, he or she can be really frustrated because, well, it's, uh, it's his or her baby.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do you do it properly? Or well, without uh, a lot of harm, actually. That's a great question.
1: It was a whole process where um, we discussed uh, many times during the development, so it was Plantopia uh, mm-hmm. during soft launch. If uh, how much we believe in the game, and what would be kind of a borderline gates that we had along mm-hmm. the way? So, th- this question was always like with us, but uh, what I was focusing on is like, let's make it our friend, you know? Let's make it our friend that the question in a healthy way should we keep working on this game or should we stop? It's not like a a failure question, but a healthy question where Mm. what should we be doing to avoid this situation or should we stop to focus on bigger things? So um, the team was actually prepared for this conversation, I would say six months already before it Mm -hmm. actually happened. I was having this conversation very openly looking at the KPI and we were thinking like, okay, well, the the main thing that worried us at the time was long-term retention and we didn't see it growing as we wanted. So we were very also critical about our own Mm -hmm. metrics where if we want to be on a hit level, the bar is high, right? So let's be honest with ourselves. And if we work on some features, we need to see a progress, at least on the long-term retention KPI. And those KPI were getting better, but not at the speed we wanted. And there was also the context of being at Vodoo where, we were accountable to deliver some result in a certain window. Mm-hmm. Okay. A- and those things didn't match fully where again, like the context is important of a of a game company and the financial where maybe in another company, if you have a payback time of one, two years, it would have been fine. But at Vodo, yeah. it was really on a window of a year and it was really borderline, which also revealed mm-hmm. to us like is it the right game to develop here where we will have support of a uh, you know voodoo machine mm-hmm. to grow mm-hmm. uh, yeah. the game and the more like we get like closer really to uh, after working almost like uh, nine months i think mm-hmm. in soft launch where we we went through a gate process and then i was already telling the team before the meeting happened with the stakeholders yeah. uh, it is tight. It is tight. Yeah, and it's not
0: looking that gr- that great.
1: Yeah, <laughs> okay. and a decision I made as well. Instead of uh, giving the power to the leadership to decide for us, mm-hmm. uh, I sat down with my uh, colleague and also uh, mm-hmm. the senior product manager on yeah. the game, where what is the decision we are um, uh, like uh, giving uh, during mm-hmm. uh, for this yeah. meeting and we concluded that we we didn't believe that uh, we could uh, make a big difference uh, in, um, I don't know, like we were given three months and Mm. we knew that it would be hard to do it. And so we said, if really we need to make a drastic change, how is our time uh, better spent in the next Mm -hmm. six months? And we were leaning more to new projects with all the learnings we got rather than trying to really Uh, make the drastic change at the risk of actually losing all the metrics and the performance of the game. So it was a very risky move uh, and we were more recommending to stop it because Mm -hmm. we believed that we would have maybe more, um, I would say, contribution short term. That was the goal by doing new projects. So we own the decision of killing and then I also Mm -hmm. announced to the team uh, this decision that we will bring to the leadership and Everyone understood the reasoning, didn't necessarily agree with it. Of course, that's normal. Yeah, one. of course. But uh, they trusted me and trusted me and Marco a lot. So they knew that mm. we cared about the right things, about us as a team, um, about working on the right game, uh, putting our efforts in the right place. And so even if it was a tough decision, they trusted my decision. And that was very powerful, actually, for me to come mm-hmm. at a stakeholder meetings like, you don't need to make this decision for us we are making the decision and and then it was funny because the counterpart happened they were mm-hmm. actually like are you sure you want to kill no no but maybe you should save and then we had yeah. all the argument to say we thought about it and we are set on our decision yeah uh, can you
0: share at least like one one argument like what was uh, uh in your case that uh, people can just imagine like okay so where did you draw a line Okay, so they tried to convince you or, or ask, like, are you sure? And then you said, I'm sure because, I don't know, you can't do it, We already.
1: Yeah, so the, the homework we did as well before making a decision was yeah. uh, really uh, pushing all the scenarios. So mm. one was we had, I would say, a uh, decision we made uh, in the core design and system of the game that uh, were not so thoughtful in terms of scale Mm -hmm. of the complexity of the project. And so we knew we had to address this so the game becomes more accessible. But the big risk was really that we changed so much the nature of the game that it changes the CPI, everything and so on. And uh, when we make the production plan as well, so we we met some pre-production estimates, we saw that it's minimum a work of six months. So Mm. making this whole calculation, we saw... If we work on new project, we can deliver prototypes put to market already in the first month because now we have all process, we're mm-hmm. we very fast. Uh, and so when thinking of the arrow I actually of f- mm-hmm. future costs and opportunities, it was very clear that the, the odds for Plentopia to become in the year of twenty twenty two or twenty twenty-one. Mm-hmm would generate uh, revenues quickly is unlikely to happen. So that was really the factors. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for them, it was an easier position to take the counterpart and say, well, maybe we can still grow it. So the game was making uh, good revenues and so on, Mm -hmm. but could it go to the next level? Um, And and this is where by sharing those numbers, those estimates Mm -hmm. we've done, like they agreed on the decision, right? So it was actually based on, data like it was an informed decision and not just gut feeling and
0: uh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. i like those uh way better Mm -hmm. than the gut feelings or the emotional driving (laughs) uh,
1: yeah yeah
0: decisions but it's you know the thing is uh like you said uh maybe for other studio this would be kind of like a good game to grow because uh well Other companies, different cash flows and, of course, different expectations. And, you know, like I'm hearing a lot, all of these, like, well, but Supercell is in the soft launch or was in the soft launch for one and a half years. Yeah, look, so it's Supercell. They have a lot of money on their bank account and they can afford it. If you are in the soft launch for a year and you are not moving anywhere, like, hey, so, you know, try (laughs) try to think about either a pivot or, you know, how actually you can um, improve the game. So, yeah. Okay, so I have a, uh, I have this like model situation. I already uh, uh, briefly touch it. So uh, we have a game in a soft launch, and um, our KPIs are really, really close to our goals, but they're just not quite there yet. And we released a new version with uh, our last feature that we had in the in the product uh, uh, roadmap. The KPI still did not meet the goals, but we're almost there. So, uh, so what should we do? Any, any, any ideas? Any, any pointers? Like, what should we do? Should we kill the game? Shouldn't we? What should we do?
1: <laughs> yeah, and then what you describe, I think, is probably eighty percent of the situations of games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I uh, and it, it's kind of a hard truth. Um, is uh, I reflected a lot on this, and if you have something that really takes off, you know mm. that it takes off, right? So. Yeah. Uh, I think it's about uh, it's about being honest with yourself so as a team like are you persisting really hard on 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 a wrong direction and if it's human to want to figure out and crack the problem and sometimes you can mm. and sometimes you don't understand and you just have to decide to move on so a question i ask myself often in any game development or what, what I do and also with a team uh, how should we spend our time you know how mm. should we spend our time yeah. are we spinning Uh, spending our time in a meaningful way uh, with impact and what i look at is growth right so are we uh, getting better from iteration to another and sometimes you can take a step back and a step forward but i would say giving at least two tries and if you see uh, it's going nowhere it's really time to ask yourself maybe you want to do a first try but this is the last call right so yeah because you can go in circle for forever, and it's 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 leading to until nowhere until you run you're... out of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think setting a time. So when you are a small business where uh, your cash flow dictates how how long, yeah. how much you can, you know, uh, fail those iterations, and mm-hmm. it's much easier to think about this because you think how many iterations or how many months do we have, and uh, if we make a decision now with the months we have left, we still have some yeah. time to rebuild I would rebuild actually more based on the core of what you've built before so not start from zero but instead of trying to save you know so uh, instead yeah. of pivot sometimes it's just you know you take the core of the pieces that work and you rebuild something
0: yeah it, and and uh, you're right about like this is uh, 80 to 90 percent of the conversation I'm having uh, uh, almost all the time with, the, with mm. the companies and it's really hard I mean of course because what if the next iteration is the one that we, you know, we hit the goals and then we we start to grow? But I'm I think like it's it's never happened. Like it's never the the last one. It's always like mm. oh well we should try this and that. But I always say like if you are stagnating or just your KPIs are not moving up or down or not improving for three iterations in a row, it's yeah. just like yeah, that's the time. Like hey, just stop. Think about what what you've done, what do you have in the pl- pipeline, or what are your next plans, and then just if if it's not enough, then just kill it and move on. I mean yeah. it's hard, but you know like yeah, <laughs> how do you want to spend time? you want to just run in circles, or do you want to build something that can actually grow maybe yeah
1: exactly, yeah, and yeah. it's very motivating for a team right when they yeah uh, they they want to work on something that matter, right so <laughs> uh,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I have like three last questions, but before we go into that, you you mentioned on at the beginning just very briefly, like you are taking a a break or a time off. Is that, uh, that I understood correctly? Can you elaborate a little bit
1: more uh, on that, yeah. if you, if you want? Yeah, sure, sure. It's it's not official yet, but I'm happy to um, share it here in in this podcast. Okay. So I've been in transition as well in career at the moment, where I'm no longer uh, with Voodoo. Uh, But I've been also exploring different paths, and uh, I actually share uh, about it in the the newsletter I'm Mm. I'm starting this month. Uh, uh, It it is an interesting phase because, you know, when you take, you force yourself to take a break and not just go with your your script, Um, Mm -hmm. like what you know, you do, you're good at, and then you take a step back. It's like, okay, where am I in this phase? What do I want to do? Where can I be uh, useful? You know, Uh, it's an interesting phase. Uncomfortable at first, but uh, yeah, I'm exploring different paths, whether it's uh, with a company, independently, with rise Mm, and play, and uh, I don't know where it will go. But I'm, I'm uh, just, you know, embracing the uncertainty. Yeah, that's uh, that's perfect. With game development, you know, (laughs) and uh, settle when there's something as well that feels right.
0: Yeah, because you know, all the magic happens as soon as you're out of your comfort zone. That's 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 always that's always like that. So I guess, I mean, that's kind of connects to my question. Like what keeps you up at night these days? <laughs> a little bit. You're thinking uh,
1: I, so I have to say something that made me really happy with the, like time mm. off. Uh, like when people ask me, like you must be so happy to have some time off and chill. It's like, I've been working hard. I like, I don't think I've worked as hard since I can't remember last time. Yeah. Although I'm technically free, but I've been a lot on the podcast. I think it's like yeah. uh, one thing I've found like, really um, writing to people that I find really interesting or I, I saw some mention about uh, them in some article success we mm. achieved and uh, that's what, uh, you know, it, it's the creative thinking and I, like, I think like, oh, it would be great to talk to that person or oh, I could imagine uh, maybe focusing uh, something that uh, really was a spark uh, out of those uh, creative nights. Yeah. I want to do a session, an episode on uh, financial coaching literacy, oh, nice. okay. so uh, how can you? F- how do you think about uh, financing, uh, wealth management assets, uh, what is an asset liability and giving a fi- financial literacy to the listeners, mm-hmm. uh, because it's very helpful for a business yeah. uh, if you want to start something, but also helpful if you want to start to be an investor, and mm-hmm. I see it's missing in the space, so I want to make it more accessible as well, so I've been very excited about this. Nice.
0: Okay, yeah, that sounds that sounds super interesting. Um, one last question, and then we have this like rapid quiz, like a bond segment. Uh, so, mm-hmm. what's what's your favorite book and and why? I took this from Joachim uh, actually because it was super interesting, and I I love the question, so thank you Joachim. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so a book I come back often to to also check with my leadership practices is the 15 Mm -hmm. Commitments of Conscious Leadership. And that's what inspired me a lot, actually, with the uh, name of Conscious Leadership uh, with Rise and Play. Mm -hmm. And the offer is really uh, thinking holistically, like as a a leader, like be, you know, really more human. So connected with your emotions, understand how emotions work. uh, Instead of uh, seeing the world that happens to you it happens by you, so how can you uh, control? You know, mm-hmm. a be- a more your reaction, your perception, uh, your uh, yeah, your your actions to the events that happen to you. And so it's also uh, inspired a lot uh, from Stoicism, which I have mm-hmm. other books also inspired me here. But that really gave me uh, focus and structure in my approach to leadership and and life. Uh, I would say in general, and that's what I try to advocate with Rise and Play.
0: Nice. Well, it's. Uh, I will. I will share the the link in the show notes for for that book. All right. So this is uh, is kind of like fun uh, at the end, which is a bonus segment, rapid quiz. So you, I have a set of multiple questions, which are super simple. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. You have one or two seconds to to answer, and it's just like black or white. It, what would you choose? And you say black or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. So let's
0: see. Let's see. Don't worry. It's fine. So it's so iOS or Google Play or Android? Well, iOS, uh, iOS or Android? iOS. All right. Ma- your Masterclass or podcast? Podcast. Berlin or Helsinki? Berlin. Yeah, nice. Uh, books or movies? Uh, ah, that's uh, movies? That's tough one. That's tough one. Movies, All right. All right. And last question. It's too crazy. Would you prefer, remote work or on-site?
1: On-site. Nice. Okay. Well... So it's really the part of the brain super intuitive i didn't think about it and, but it's the one that i trust uh, for this moment. so i'm, I'm yeah yeah i'm yeah, okay yeah. with what i, I answered <laughs> nice okay
0: <laughs> perfect no thank you sophie this was uh, it's actually pretty amazing uh i'm glad you you were here and i'm glad that you, i could talk to you
1: thank you yeah, very much thanks.
0: and uh any any um where can uh, actually people find you or contact you can you share your details
1: So my most active channel, I would say, again, I'm about focus is really LinkedIn or then Mm. all the materials are on riseandplay.io. So everything, like they can find resources, masterclass, podcast, that's also another way. Perfect.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Mathieu. Thanks a lot for chat.